Support for Milledgeville Matters comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Milledgeville Matters on WRGC 88.3 FM. I am your host, Daniel McDonald. Sometime during the broadcast of this program, the results of today's municipal election will begin spilling out across social media and other broadcast outlets. For two weeks, City of Milledgeville residents have headed to the polls to cast their ballots during advanced voting, and today, electoral traditionalists breezed in and out of their local precincts to help determine the direction our city takes in the years to come. Tonight, we broadcast a conversation with one candidate who won't be sweating the hours between the close of the polls and the announcement of the election results. Milledgeville Mayor Mary Parham Copeland was unopposed in her bid for re-election to the city's top elected office. Despite campaigning unopposed, Mayor Parham Copeland took the time last week to record a conversation about the issues on the minds of area voters and her vision for addressing them during her next four years in office. Mayor Mary Parham Copeland is a lifelong resident of Milledgeville. First elected in 2017, she is the city's first female mayor and the second African-American to hold the office. In addition to her role as mayor, she is the pastor and founder of the Word of Life Interdenominational Bible Church. She also is a realtor, school bus driver, and retiree from the Department of Corrections. Mayor Mary Parham Copeland. I want to thank you for joining me today on Milledgeville Matters. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Mr. Daniel. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. And it is always my pleasure to host. And so our first uh, uh, several questions are just to solicit a little bit more about you. And so I'll start off with a question that I'm sure you've been asked uh, many times. Why have you decided to ask voters for a second term as mayor? Well, actually, the reason being is that, you know, when I walked into my first term as the mayor of the city of Milledgeville, first year was a lot of learning. Second year, I started to try to finish up service and delivery strategies and getting that worked out between the county and the city. And shortly after that, we walked into what I would say two years and still going through a pandemic that none of us expected. So... As I think back over these first four years, the things that I wanted to accomplish as being the first female mayor, as being the mayor, period, is to do a change, a turnabout. And so in order for me to do that, um, I have to go before the voters and ask them for their vote of confidence to allow me to do this in another term. And so I'm grateful that I'm able to stand and say that I'm running just humbled enough to know that there are still yet many, many things that we need to accomplish here. And so that's my reason for asking voters to go back to the polls on November the 2nd and to re-elect me as the mayor of the city of Milledgeville. In what was the issue that caused you to put yourself forward for public service? So mainly the issue that put me forth, um, having been a lifelong resident of the city of Milledgeville and seeing so many changes as we declined uh, as far as uh, great job opportunities, because as you know, we were uh, one of the largest industries here with Central State Hospital that employed a lot of people along with the Department of Corrections and other uh, entities here. So that alone woke me up to know that I wanted to make sure that we all leave a legacy for our children as they grow and, and mature and go off to school, that we'll have a place here, that they want to come back and say, this is home. I want to make sure we continue to keep our place vibrant and alive, and we'll bring in even more into our community to live. One of the hot topics when I ran the first time was our water and sewer issues, and we still have some, but we're working on them, and we're working towards trying to make sure we accomplish that goal set out, that we set out for in the very first run. And so that was one of my big issues was that along with our youth, not making sure, I mean, we're making sure that we had things that occupied our youth's time and 
giving them more to be able to look at on an educational basis that make them more productive citizens along the way. And so those issues are the same issues that I'll be pressing going forward, as well as our affordable housing, being able to do and put up an area for our elderly that they're able to walk to town, those that are still mobile, those that are still driving, that they can maneuver around the different parts of the inner city to be able to get to safely. And so those are some of the hot buttons that still resonate with me today and uh, looking forward to hopefully being able to push forward and continue this, this journey in the next time to come. And I think the use of the uh, word hot button for you uh, gives me um, uh, some idea of how you might answer this one. Uh, But how satisfied are you with the current status of these issues that you just identified? Um, To be honest, um, I'm I'm satisfied as to the fact that I had to learn walking into office about our water lines and sewer lines. And, you know, we're talking 50 year old pipes in many places. And so oftentimes we have more breaks than we can fix at times, but we do manage to repair them. And that is a huge uh, issue for me because to be the mayor and get a call at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning saying, I don't have any water, didn't have it before I went to bed, and I wake up the next morning and it's still not on, is that we make sure our constituents know from the time something happens to the time we're able to have it completed and repaired. Uh, as far as our youth, there's a lot of work to do, and I think we as a community have done a great job at looking at the fact that all of our youth here, it does not matter who you are, what side of town you live in, but all of them are our youth because the way I was raised is if it's somebody else's child, it's just like being your child. And I really want to do some greater educational pieces to prepare them for life, to prepare them for government, to prepare them to go outside of the city of Millersville and hopefully one day be able to return back here to something more lively and and vivid. Um, I'm sure you know that most teenagers, when they leave and go away, doesn't always come back to the city of Millersville (laughs) like we would want them to. They'll come visit on special holidays. But here again, this is my other hot button having the job capacity, the career opportunities for them to return and be able to raise families and live a great life here in the city of Millersville uh, is something special to me and dear to my heart, let alone our seniors, the housing uh, market, maybe making sure that we're providing everything needed by any family or any person in the city of Millersville. So, You know, those are just issues that I'm ready to get to the table and be able to say, okay, this time around, we understand the fact that we're still in the midst of a pandemic, but we've learned to maneuver. We've learned to redirect how we work, how we communicate, how we uh, socialize. And I think even with all of this still going on, we're going to be able to make some strides that will make the whole community very satisfied. And as I asked you about those issues that uh, first caused you to put yourself forward for public service, I ask now if there are any um, newer issues that you feel are the most important that you and the um, rest of city council are working on now. Well, actually, uh, there are so many things on, on the plate for us that we're working on that were was a part of my first tenure. Um, And you knowing the most tedious one was the service and delivery strategy and being able to compromise and work with the county to get that done. Uh, What we would hope to see that even in this tenure, that when we are reelected, that we can be able to get at the table and say, we've already put these things in motion. Let's get the work done and that being one of our water and sewer lines, uh, making some repairs to some of the different departments that are very much needed, making sure that we have adequate police staffing, adequate fire staffing, and just job security all the way around, making sure that the youth, and when I say the youth, I want to say this uh, as, as candidly and boldly as I can, that 
it takes a village to raise a child. And I'm I'm sure you've heard the news over the last couple of months or and even so before pandemic, the things and the changes that children had to go through as far as schoolwork. They went to virtual and hybrid learning and that's the new to a lot of a lot of our young people that sitting at a computer isn't always the way they learn. So we've learned to readapt and we've learned to teach them all over again how to learn in different ways. And so that's still a struggle. I try to to make sure that the city of Millersville encourages and we push the county school systems, uh, the college school systems, the private school systems to know that we are right here behind them to help them to ensure that we continue to encourage our youth that education is a key priority in their lives as far as making sure that they can go to the job opportunities that they most want to see. I would be more than pleased if we could tackle that area uh, in the city of Millersville, Baldwin County. I often say I'm the mayor of Millersville, but I feel like I'm the mayor of Millersville, Baldwin County because my heart goes out to every individual person that lives within our, our society, and even outside of it, from Putnam, Wilkinson, Jones County. Um, they're still a part of our circle. So looking at ways to partner with each county to make sure that where we prosper, then they will prosper. If we're successful, they'll be successful. Those type things are, are heavy on the plate for next year uh, for me, and that is to just make sure we get these things done. Even with COVID still going on, I think we're going to have a, a, a great team uh, going back in. Uh, this team is ready and willing to tackle the hard questions and, and jobs. And most of all, I think I want to get more community involvement because the more people that are involved in the processes that we're going to be going forth through, then the greater the outcome will be for the whole community. On this edition of Milledgeville Matters, you're listening to a candidate interview with Milledgeville Mayor Mary Parham Copeland. Mayor Parham Copeland ran unopposed in this year's Milledgeville Municipal Election. But she was gracious enough to sit for this interview and answer the same questions we've posed to all candidates running in this year's municipal election. This program is a part of a series of conversations with the candidates running for Milledgeville City Council, and you can hear other conversations from this series on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com WRGC. We'll be right back with more from our conversation with Milledgeville Mayor Mary Parham Copeland. What can we do to improve people's opinion of both current residents and those who reside elsewhere about the Milledgeville Baldwin County community? I believe, uh, Daniel, that the way we do that, as I just stated, is getting more community involvement as to how we are trying to increase the livelihood of our community. You know, I, I share all the time with people. Millersville is a place that I believe we can live, work, and play. Uh, it's an area that's very, very rich in history. Uh, when you look at the fact we are a three-school system here from Georgia College State University to Georgia Military College uh, Preparatory School and the Baldwin County School System, and not to mention JMA, um, I see a lot of change coming there, and I'm very proud of that change because it garners the right atmosphere and it brings people in, and they really feel the love that we have here for this community. And in doing that, what we as a community starts to show other people, because people are always watching Milledgeville. Millie is on people's mind today. And so since they're watching us, we want to show them that this is the place that you want to come to live, you want to come to play, you want to come to work and raise a family. And in doing that, we will have to be very proactive to make sure that whatever the media stream that we're using or outlet that we're using, that we make sure positive things are always going forth, that we always show Millersville in the light of growth. And so, you know, once we start to continue to maintain to do that, because I truly believe in my heart we are doing that, some things just takes a little longer. I share what people my first term in politics have 
brought reality to me. <laughs> Coming in the door, you would say you have that fire in your belly and your gun ho, only to learn that you cannot do exactly what you want walking in the door. You're trying to get the job duties off the plate from the former person that had been in your seat. And then government does not move overnight. I think we've all learned that throughout this pandemic. Um, the issues there is that it sits on somebody's table. We'll push on Mr. Rick Williams. That allows Mr. Rick Williams, which is our state rep, to push on to the senators and to the governor. And it takes a well-rounded group of people to be able to do that. Uh, it's not an easy task, but we're working through it. And I think most people those living here and those that are looking in from the outside have noticed that Millsville is definitely raising the bar. Earlier, you had mentioned the importance of um, getting the citizenry involved. And so I'll ask, um, what are your ideas about how we can make civic life more accessible to our residents? Well, the idea that I have is that as soon as things present, and, and there, are, there are often times we can do some things in smaller scales than we would want to do with a larger scale. And by saying that, what I mean is I would love to have some community forums. I want to put together some community groups when it comes to Neighborhood Watch, when it comes to groups coming and sitting down and telling us, well, this is what we would like to see come to our community, or why can't we have... Uh, this particular restaurant or store in our community. It's about education is what I've learned because it's a myth for most people when it comes to politics on how it works and how we garner the support to get certain areas here in our community. Uh, and I've had to learn that myself. And I, I'm, I'm one to say, you know, that as we reach out to different people, as our Main Street Director Carly Schulze reach out to people, I reach out to people the city manager reach out to people, then that gives us a, a very open atmosphere to be able to come to the table and sit down and talk and say, these are the things that our community would really love to see happen. How do we make that happen? There's no better time than the present. It's so much we can do, yet you've got to have your plan in motion. And, and we're doing just that right now, putting the plans in motion. And I hope I'm not being redundant because uh, you've picked up on so many of the currents um, of the questions that we have here. Um, so I'm uh, seeing this as an opportunity to allow you to elaborate on it more. You mentioned earlier the importance of um, uh, having a well-rounded groups of individuals, um, elected representatives, uh, representing in their different levels of government in their different areas. Um, so uh, this next question uh, relates to that. What will you do in the next four years to help our different governing bodies break out of their silos and take a more holistic approach to building our community's future? Well, first and foremost, as, as I stated, we're, we're trying to get through election. Uh, of course, you know that you know we have some seats up for grab, but what I would like to say is that, you know, walking into this new season, we're all willing to work with whomever, however we possibly can at the table. And in doing that, what I would like to do myself personally is that I share with my council all the time, if it's something going on in your district and they know how I operate is, I'm going to let them know as well as the city manager. And that hands-on, you know, being able to respond to your constituents, no matter what time it is or if you get an email, it's the little things that makes the difference. And so we, we need to make sure we're doing just that, responding to our community, responding to their emails or their phone calls. Oftentimes it, it gets a little busy and we can't get to them the same day. But at some point in that day or that next couple of days, we always reach out to make sure we're hearing. Too often time we don't listen enough. And if you listen then you get to hear what it is that your constituents want to see, how they want the different areas to flow. Because with any government, there are issues, there are some things we might miss, and there are some things we're going to hit dead on it. So however November the 2nd comes out, we're really ready to pull the, the sleeves back and make sure that we get to work. 
That's all we can do is go to work and make sure that we're doing whatever it is that the community wants to see. And I'm sure you know the things that you see, we see, and we are working on it. Um, Unfortunately, COVID-19 slowed things down tremendously uh, because we want to make sure all of our constituents were safe. We want to provide as much support as we could to our local businesses so that they would not lose out. And so we're still doing that, still walking into that atmosphere of how-to. I think that's the best way to describe it is just the how-to, being able to be that support system and give them what they really need. Because oftentimes we think we can just go and say this or that, and this is what you need or that is what you need. But until we actually talk to whether it's a business owner or whether it's just uh, the workers themselves or our constituents, We really don't know how to put things in perspective other than what we see on the surface, which, you know, everybody has to have one of our biggest businesses here in Millersville, Georgia, and that's clean, clear drinking water, cooking water, whatever the case may be that you utilize your water services for. And it's our job to make sure we provide that sewer system, make sure we're providing safe sewer systems for all. Our downtown public works systems, we have to make sure not only downtown, but in the out of circle of uh, the city limits, we have to make sure all of those areas are taken care of as well. So there's a lot of work. I, I could be very lengthy in what I'm saying about what we do as elected officials because it is a much broader sense than most people think. There is just um, innumerable things that I can continue to elaborate on. But for the most of it, as I stated, we want to get the community involved so that they can tell us some of the things. They think that we're on that report card scale, whether we have an A or we have that F, and I'm hoping we stay from that A, B, C range. We don't want to go any any lower than those areas right there. And just to follow up that in a way, do you think that constituents – um, draw those uh, delineations between you know the city and the county, or a uh, a local responsibility and a state responsibility. Well, oftentimes on your local level, I think our constituents do draw the line. Uh, oftentimes they they're not sure of where they live at, whether you're in the city limits or you're in the county, and so oftentimes calls get crossed over. But having the great working relationship that the county and the city has garnered over the last four years, we are very apt that if we get a call, we reach out or I'll reach out to Chairman Craig or to Mr. Tobar and Mr. Griffin does likewise, as well as the county commissioners and the city council members. We try to talk more and make sure we are at the table, fully alert as to what's going on. And, and so when you see these things happening, the, the cliche I see it is, is that everyone always say, you know, all politics are local. And yeah, they start out local, but we have to tr- matriculate them up from on the local level to the state level to the federal level, if need be. And most of our, our questions or concerns we have will go just on the state level, you know, with your state representatives, your senators, the governor. And so whatever the case may be that you need pushed forward, um, we still need their input to tell us what they would like to see that they haven't seen, even if it means us escalating it up up the chart to get where it needs to go, just to get it signed off on. Uh, We we are working really, really, really well at doing that together from county to city. Um, Our state rep, Mr. Rick Williams, were extremely well with us, and we're pleased at that. And then we can go even further from there um, to the next level need be. But for the the bigger part of the question that you just asked, I I do believe the constituents draw the line here more so than they do at the state level, wanting to get things done and wanting to know why they haven't gotten done. So for everything, we have to be ready to be able to give them an answer as to that question, and, and as I shared with you early on that, you know, this is my first tenure, but that was a lot of learning, a lot of traveling. I've grabbed hold to a lot of things, and so I'm more comfortable as the mayor. Uh, I think in these next four years will make me even more uh, comfortable with us pushing things forward. And, and when I say us, because I share with people all the time, I may be the mayor, but we're a team. And I just don't speak as if it's 
just all the mayor because it's not. It's mayor and council, city managers, city attorneys, and all of our employees that make up this beautiful city uh, working together. On this edition of Milledgeville Matters, you're listening to a candidate interview with Milledgeville Mayor Mary Parham Copeland. Mayor Parham Copeland ran unopposed in this year's Milledgeville municipal election. But she was gracious enough to sit for this interview and answer the same questions we've posed to all candidates running in this year's municipal election. This program is a part of a series of conversations with the candidates running for Milledgeville City Council, and you can hear other conversations from this series on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com WRGC. We'll be right back with more from our conversation with Milledgeville Mayor Mary Parham Copeland. In your opinion, what is the role in our community of the students who travel to Milledgeville to take advantage of our institutions of higher education? Well, first and foremost, as I speak with many parents, as I travel around and they meet me, they'll say, my child will be attending Georgia College this semester, and, you know, please look out for them. And so my response to any parent, whether they're local and stay here, whether they're traveling in from the great Atlanta area, wherever it's from, is that safety first to me when it comes to our students concerns me a whole lot. Um, when it comes to the downtown area, when it comes to uh, the way they go downtown and eat, the way they go in and out of our uh, restaurants that do sell alcohol, safety comes first to me. I want to make sure everybody's safe. That uh, I often share with them at Georgia College State University when we would go up for their day where the, the new students would come in, I share with them that we want you to have a great experience in the city. We want you to act responsible, think responsibly, um, so that you'll enjoy the experience that you came here to get. We have a lot of fraternities and sororities, and, and oftentimes, you know, they, they do have their parties and stuff. And so we try to stay on top of that and make sure that they do that in an orderly and decent way. Uh, our historic district still house a lot of our constituents that are either elderly now or they have children that they're raising to come through school. So we want to make sure that the example is set for them, and we want to make sure that those coming into the city for school to work and just just the overall relationship learn that let's do this together and let's do it the right way. And I can't, I don't think I can say I've met one student along this journey that didn't either want to stay here or they didn't come back here to live. And I think that speaks volume. What can city council do to make sure current Milledgeville residents and people who want to move to our community have access to affordable housing? So with the Affordable Housing uh, Act, we are certainly on the table. I oftentimes get a chance to talk to DCA, get a chance to share in with them. We need to be able to have some annexation on the city's part because, you know, we can only go so far. Uh, and now we're already over, we're into the county's lines, the boundaries there. And so in order to bring more affordable housing, we need more subdivisions, we need more areas that we can bring up more affordable housing in for the different areas from the south to the north, east, and west. I think what I've learned is that it's a process. It's a process especially that I think has been brought to the forefront since a since COVID hit the the line here to let everybody know we've seen a lot of evictions. We've seen people have to move from place to place. But my thought on that is if we could put the affordable housing in the right perspective, get them in the right places, that we'll see less of people having to move here, there, and everywhere. Because now a new type of home ownership pride comes along with where I am and being able to afford it. Uh, I, I truly believe that all need to be able to live in a place that they're comfortable, they feel safe, they can sit on their porch, uh, they can go in and out the house in the in the daytime as well as in the evening and to the late hour, 
but yet be comfortable. And so that's one of the things that I see that we don't have enough affordable housing here. And that's that's another big project for me to work on as well. Of course, Baldwin County is responsible for providing the existing public transportation system. But even in one of Georgia's smaller counties, the existing system is not enough to connect everyone to the educational, medical, commercial, and civic resources they need. Uh, what are your ideas for improving access to viable public transportation in our community? Believe it or not, I do think that we have grown enough between city and county that local transit needs to be on both sides of the spectrum. And I say that just because of what you just stated is that when we think about the areas that are located right here in the city limits, that they need transportation provided for them to be able to get to the grocery store to get to Central Georgia Technical College to take some uh, extra classes, or GMC, for as that matters, uh, shopping, hospitals. We need more viable access to that to be able to start transit here that will get people from place to place to place. And so what I would love to see us do is to work towards that, not taking away from one entity over the other, but just providing what the community needs. Because at the end of the day, it's all about making sure your community have what they need in order to function. And until we provide that and sit down at the table and say it's an agreement, and I'm sure you know that where some others don't really understand about the service and delivery strategies, it's an area where we don't cross over in our areas that we service, in the duplication of, of services that we give. So it's about us sitting down at the table saying, okay, we see the need, how can we meet the need without crossing the lines of saying, well, you're over in the county's jurisdiction or, or the county being able to say, I'm in the city's jurisdiction, but making it work, a common goal to make it work for everyone. Um, I think you remember when I became the mayor, I said, I'm everybody's mayor. I am to this day. I'm still everybody's mayor. So I look at every area and I look at the levels of incline, down to the levels that are declining, you know, whether or not we can go out and make some things happen. And surely we can. Everything's possible once we sit down at the table, put it in motion, carry it to the right places, and do the right things, then we can make sure that we do what we need to do for our communities. Because as I travel and I see Macon, Perry, Wanara, there are smaller rural counties there that are doing far more and we're just as large or larger than most, that we should be doing the same thing here, not trying to copycat, but to do what's necessary for the community to continue to evolve. On this edition of Milledgeville Matters, you're listening to a candidate interview with Milledgeville Mayor Mary Parham Copeland. Mayor Parham Copeland ran unopposed in this year's Milledgeville Municipal Election. But she was gracious enough to sit for this interview and answer the same questions we've posed to all candidates running in this year's Municipal Election. This program is a part of a series of conversations with the candidates running for Milledgeville City Council, and you can hear other conversations from this series on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com WRGC. We'll be right back with more from our conversation with Milledgeville Mayor Mary Parham Copeland. In my opinion, downtown Milledgeville is a model of successful revitalization. But what can the city of Milledgeville do to help spur revitalization in other areas of our city? And where would you start? Well, there again, we, we share some common goals and lines on the south side of town. And it, not only on the south side, but it, it works its way all the way back over to the north side. Uh, there are areas that we kind of coexist in the same place, especially offense and highway, that I believe if city and county sat down together and worked up a method in which we could clean up, that we can 
restore that vitality back out there because as I stated early on or as you said in my introduction that I'm retired from the Department of Correction. I remember when that was one of the most vital parts of town that anyone could ask for. You're talking about a city within its own self on the south side of town because of the Central State Hospital. They had their own laundry. They had their own uh, fire department, police department. You could go to Central Kitchen, which has now been revitalized and up and running, and get three meals a day. Uh, they sent a lot of meals out of the kitchen to the different uh, prison systems, to the different housing units that they house out on Central State ground. So that area was just really, really, really extremely nice. Um, I'd say as late as the late 90s. I would love to see us go back and clean, clean that up together as a uh, community governments that we, we make and put our best foot forward. I know we hear a lot about blighted properties. We are sitting down at the table trying to discuss and try to move forward, but it's a delicate piece. And it's a piece that we want to make sure that every constituent has their say-so in it not just making or doing something and the community's input isn't there. In my next couple questions are about the business climate in Milledgeville, Baldwin County. What are your ideas for making Milledgeville a better place to open, operate, and expand a business? I think Milledgeville has done an outstanding job with trying to encourage income and growth, especially in the downtown. And uh, having it been, you know, the revitalization downtown, this gives you that that real warm feeling of a close knit uh, rural area that's making sure that everyone feels comfortable and welcome. What I really would love to see even more so is that. As we expand the downtown and it moves even more up on our 441 corridor, where you find most of your restaurants and hotel industry is on the 441 side, that we continue to bring that same spirit on the south side while enlarging things on the north side. One thing to me that's very dear uh, is that what I have seen is minority businesses being able to grow. And so I think that we we got to find a way to make sure we incorporate them on all sides of our communities that they're able to get out and sustain a business in this in this day and time because when I came along we had a lot of mom pops type uh businesses and so as we started to grow you started to see some of them completely shut down their doors and just moved on out the way for larger chains to come in but I just truly believe that we still can work with the chain and still keep our small local businesses intact in place and support them as much as possible. It's just about us getting out there and making sure that they're center in front. We help them advertise. We help them with the parking, as you stated, downtown, with the access up and down 441 to make sure that they're able to travel and go up and down these corridors to be able to park without having to walk a mile to get to a store. So those are the things that we are working on and looking towards in the future. How do we combat that? How do we make sure that every person coming in and out of the downtown area, especially the ones that are handicapped that needs that upfront parking, how do we do this and keep our downtown downtown vibrant without people feeling like I have to go through too much, just even go downtown and park or to get somewhere? So a lot of ideas on the table that I have. But there are ideas that I must sit down with city council and our city manager and we all discuss. And, and we have definitely went in those directions of discussing things. And I think the constituents will be real pleased uh, at what we're trying to do. And what can we do right now? And I don't want to limit our thinking to just um, those uh, in our governing bodies and economic development authorities. Uh, but what can we do right now to make sure we are prepared to take advantage of economic opportunity when it comes knocking? I think the biggest thing we can do right now is just to make sure we're assisting those places that are already in place. The, the parking downtown, you know, we're very limited as to slots, time spots that you're down and at the downtown area 
moving vehicles around, being considerate of each other. You know, if you're, you're parking in the downtown area, and I'd say if you're able to walk, then park a little further off that the people that aren't able to walk as far can park up front. You know, just being courteous to one another to help and be, one thing, patience. Patience is a big part of government. And oftentimes we don't see it move fast enough, and that's not because it's not coming. It's coming. It's just we're figuring out ways to make sure we're continuing to keep everyone safe. Uh, Georgia College State University did the barn and dance walk, or the different lighting mechanisms that they have in place. So hopefully that's helping the traffic and helping people to realize, okay, they're putting in methods so we know the change is coming um, to make sure that people can say, okay, I can see this, and, and it's going to happen. Uh, the parking is limited, but it's not going to stop me from being able to shop downtown or to eat downtown. Uh, when you go out, uh, whether it's Jefferson Street or 441 South, I think you all can see the different things that we're doing to work on the areas uh, to improve, not waiting for the future, but actually getting it done now with our stormwater drainage, with the water system itself being more alert and accurate to be able to jump on situations as soon as they happen. Those are the type of things we can only do right now is continue to do those things as we push forward into the things that's going to evolve in the future. And so presently, we just we just have to continue to be patient and be courteous and to help one another out until we get the full changes made. On this edition of Milledgeville Matters, you're listening to a candidate interview with Milledgeville Mayor Mary Parham Copeland. Mayor Parham Copeland ran unopposed in this year's Milledgeville Municipal Election. But she was gracious enough to sit for this interview and answer the same questions we've posed to all candidates running in this year's municipal election. This program is a part of a series of conversations with the candidates running for Milledgeville City Council, and you can hear other conversations from this series on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash WRGC. We'll be right back with more from our conversation with Milledgeville Mayor Mary Parham Copeland. And we're coming closer to the end of our conversation. I have a couple questions to solicit some closing thoughts from you and then an opportunity for you to speak directly to our audience at the end. My first question uh, kind of takes us out of Milledgeville and uh, explodes us out to the global condition. We are living through one of the most challenging times in our nation's history. What must elected officials do to help pull our nation together and how will you work toward that end during your next term in office? This is one thought for me that I, I have and I believe in my heart is that we at the city of Milledgeville have really pulled together in these four years. We have really worked hard to make sure that we are doing what it is that our constituents would love to see us do. We're working hard with the county because it takes both governments to work together and although you have different governments, city government, county government, it takes both of us working hand-in-hand hand together to ensure that we're doing the next-level things. I think when people think about politics, there is such a bitter taste in most people's mouths that right now all they want to see is that we care for them as our constituents, as our communities, and that we as elected officials must come together, no matter what level it is on, local, state, federal, we must come together and do what's best for the people. And oftentimes what might be best in one person's eyes isn't best in the other. So it's about really getting to the table and putting away so many of our, our thoughts and our own pet projects and putting the whole economy, as you just said, globally on the table, because right now that's what we're walking through. Every level, whatever you does, it is going to affect each level to the point that we're sitting down at the table more often trying to say how do we get back to or how did we get here, but we actually just got to sit down and balance it where we are 
that's that's not an ideology of mine. Is you meet people where they are, you see the needs and the conditions, and you see the pitfalls before they come to you. That that might not work as good as we thought it would have worked. So let's go back to the drawing board and let's rethink this thing and remodel it. And you know, it's a paradigm shift, and so you have to shift in order to be able to get everything to come into full circle. As we record this interview, the city of Milledgeville just celebrated the dedication of a bridge to Danette Odom Jackson, Milledgeville's first female African-American city councilwoman. 25 years after she was first elected, we continue as a society to experience inequities in the number of leadership roles for women in politics and in business. As a woman and a leader, what is your charge and or your advice to the young women who may be drawn to public service but are concerned about the barriers that may stand in their way? What I would like to say to the women, to anyone, if it's a dream of yours or if it's something you're that's just really resonating in the inside of you telling you to make that move, then don't let anything stop you. The only wall in front of you is the wall that you build up. And so I I say to, to most women that, you know, other than the fact that we're women, it does not uh, take away the fact that we are nurturers by nature. We're home economic teachers because we teach everything from the home. We're bankers because we bank from our homes. We keep up with that. We're nurses. We're doctors. We're lawyers in certain cases. And so if you can be all of that at your home, then you can do the same thing in your community. And I want every female from our smallest kids to the oldest person to know that you are as powerful as you want to be. You are as strong as you allow yourself to think outside the box and receive whatever bit of knowledge that you do have. Take it and take something from each piece of it along the way to make living for you and your family and your community a better place and a better way to live. As the first female, um, I think I shared with you a while back, I, and I still haven't really grasped the fact of that. Um, most people say she, she sneaks in places and then she sneaks out because I'm just not one that has to have that platform to know that I'm something special to someone else and that they're special to me. But I always knew whatever God put on my heart to do, I walked in it, and I did just what he told me to do. And so when it comes to people, if you treat everybody the way you want to be treated, then eventually it's going to be reciprocated where it comes back to you. You just have to keep your mind strong. you got to stand firm. you got to stay focused and know that you can do uh, and you will do and be successful if you push through any barrier, be it race, be it racism, be it gender, as long as you push push through those areas, you will be effective in whatever opportunity that is presented to you. You just walk in it with a bold and courageous spirit and know that you can do it. And I want to thank you very much for taking this time out of your day uh, to speak directly to our radio audience. Um, one way I hope that um, uh, shows that thankfulness is to just allow you this uh, last time uh, to speak directly to our radio audience, um, uh, perhaps on, on the theme of uh, why they should vote for you, uh, but just to give you this opportunity again to speak directly to our radio audience. Well, I would like to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, first and foremost, for the first tenure and the opportunity to serve. Uh, when it comes to all of our constituents, we need you all at the poll on November the 2nd, 2021, um, to reelect Mary Parm Copeland as your mayor, hopefully based on the points of what I've done and what I, I'm looking forward to doing for our community. Nothing works better than when we as a community work together. And that's one of my strongest models is we're stronger together and we're better together when we work together. So if it's anything I can do 
I'm always available. I'm accessible from the city hall. From city hall, they can always reach me. Sometimes it takes me a few days to get back to you, but I promise you I will. As I stated when I ran my first run, and I'm still saying that I am everybody's mayor, and I am working for the people in the city of Millsville, Baldwin County, and surrounding counties that we garner a relationship that builds rather than tears down, and that we stand strong, united together in every situation. I am so proud to have been your mayor the last four years, and most of all, to have walked out a pandemic with you, because you all have been our number one fans, and you all have helped us push through the barriers that we had to go, shutting down stores, uh, going to calling in your food online and only being able to pick it up through drive through windows to uh, helping our local businesses stay afloat. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Much gratitude to each and every one. And so as we hopefully we move through in the next four years, let's get it together, let's get it done because we are better together and we're stronger together. Thank you so much, Mr. Daniel, for having me on the show today. It's been my pleasure. Uh, as always, when it comes to you, you are such a joy to be able to have to sit down and conversate on the air with. Well, Mayor Mary Parham Copeland, I know that uh, you two the same. It is a great joy always talking with you, and I always appreciate uh, the time that you dedicate uh, to talking to me and talking to our radio audience, and I will look forward to the next time. But uh, for today, uh, thank you very much again for uh, the hour you just spent with us uh, talking about your vision for our community. Thank you. You've been listening to a candidate interview with Milledgeville Mayor Mary Parham Copeland. Mayor Parham Copeland ran unopposed in this year's Milledgeville Municipal Election. But she was gracious enough to sit for this interview today, answering many of the same questions we pose to all candidates running in contested races during this municipal election cycle. This program is a part of a series of conversations with those candidates who are running for Milledgeville City Council. And you can hear all of our conversations on our SoundCloud page, which is located at soundcloud.com WRGC. On behalf of WRGC 88.3 FM, I have been your host, Daniel McDonald. It has been my pleasure spending this portion of the evening with you here on Milledgeville Matters. I hope you enjoyed our time together, and I want you to know that I look forward to convening with you again next time.